Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. T.I. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, that is the spot to be. Make sure you come down, say what's up. Free parking too, man. Down here on the Strip, it's hard to find. So come in and see what T.I. has to offer here. Golden Circle is awesome. You can see a whole bunch of different angles in terms of the television screens. I can't wait. I'll be distracted coming up here in about uh, 30 minutes. I think that's when kickoff is. Might be in a couple, actually. Uh, Illinois is taking on Kansas, so I can't wait. Jalen Daniels should be back on the field for the Jayhawks. It's going to be a fun non-conference game. Tight spread, too. Three and a half, and I'm watching Jalen Daniels warm up right now, so hopefully we get him out there. I mentioned the Arizona Cardinals really quickly before we get to our big four, Devon, as we have our injury reports that are now out, and uh, as we're getting closer to Sunday. Cardinals. Kelvin Beecham is not going to play, so a, a solid pass blocker along the offensive line not going to be available. Marquise Brown, questionable. Zach Ertz, questionable. <laughs> so uh, this thing is going – I actually think it's going well. It's exactly what the Cardinals want. Yeah, Josh Dobbs, he's, uh, he's, gonna, he's being set up for success. <laughs> well, the team is hopefully getting set up for success because they want that first overall pick, and then screw it, and then let's sell it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents The Big Four at Four. Number four. All right, so you sent something over. Um, as somebody who is uh, well-connected in the media circles, uh, you sent over an article by Frank Schwab, who I know and uh, I've interacted with many times, about coaches on the hot seat. Uh, I don't really care about I mean, we could talk about coaches on the hot seat. All that attracted my eye was there's a bet to be made here. I love taking from people, so what am I going to take from you? What bet are we making? Which coach is going to be fired? I want to say Brandon Staley. I want to go Oh, I'll take limb. that. I'll take the bet. Okay, maybe he doesn't get fired, but they're not uh, making, look, okay. you, see, you see how he immediately backs no, down no, the no, second you know he's what? challenged? No, you know what? They should do it. If they don't make the playoffs this year, Plant he should reason. be fired. See what I'm doing here? I'm playing the fiddle. You're too easy. I get you to back down immediately, and then when I call you on backing down, you go the other way, and you're like, no, I'm in. So what? So you're going you're gonna to wager that Brandon Staley is the first coach fired this year? Maybe not the first, but if they don't make the playoffs, oh, look at fired. this. Come on. What are we doing? What do you mean? I, I can't predict. I don't know how it's going to go. I can't say who's you're the, the one worst that, team in the league. You're the one I that said. I said there's said. a bet to be made here. I didn't say exactly which bet was gonna be made. Oh, I said there's a bet to be made. Okay, so you can you so there's a bet to be made, but you don't know what the bet is. You're okay. just like we got it. Well, there's something. We got something here. This is a ridiculous. This is ridiculous. We the got five, something here. Five coaches that are named in this article from Frank Schwab. Yes. Brandon Staley, which is ridiculous. They're a playoff team, and there are they could actually win the division. Um, especially, uh, he's not on the hot seat. He's not actually. Here, you know what? I'll, I'll go a little bit extreme. If Brandon Staley doesn't revert back to the guy who was going for it at the right times on fourth down, attempting two-point conversions, the guy that all of you got all upset about, if he's not him again, then I want to fire him. That's when I want to fire him. Because he was doing the right thing. And he needs to go back to doing that. Well, could the bet just be that the Chargers don't make the playoffs? I mean, you can bet that. I mean, sure. I Do think you they're. Want it? I mean, I think they're. I think that they are. Actually, I'm just gonna say, I think they're gonna win the division. So yes. All right, I'll take that. All right, cool. We'll put it in the Google Doc. Yes, no. Chargers playoffs. Demond's got the no, and I've got the yes. Really quickly, the other names: Todd Bowles, Ron Rivera, Arthur Smith, Kevin Stefanski. 
they all make sense. Although I would say Todd Bowles is the one who's going to get fired first. I don't know. No, he no. was set up for failure. Yeah, he was. He was set up for failure. There's nothing there for him at quarterback. The two most important positions are his weakest ones, offensive line and quarterback. And it's going to be a nightmare for him. It's all Brady's fault. Yes, yes, it is. Number three. All right, so I saw this come down the other day. Headline, Caleb Williams wrestles with the completely backwards nature of the draft. Caleb Williams will likely be the first pick in the 2024 draft. He submits, blah, 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 whatever. Um, I think his dad said something about this, too. But the quote that sticks out about the leap to the National Football League, quote, I've always been able to choose the team that I've played on, and then everything's been scheduled for me. But now, going into this next part of my career, it's weird because it's so uncertain. You don't know anything. You can't control anything. But you and how you act, that's honestly the weirdest part for me. I think it was his father who came out a couple of days prior, said, like, "Ah, not so fast about him, you know, going to the National Football League next year. I think he's making in the range of $3 million in terms of NIL deals. Do you actually buy that Caleb Williams would stick around for another year of college? I don't buy it, but the money is good in college to where maybe he's at $3.5 million, He has another good season, balls out, another Heisman. Maybe that's $5, 6000000 million next year. He's in Wendy's commercials. Your boy Anthony Richardson isn't in Wendy's commercials. Bryce uh, Young isn't in a Wendy's hey, commercial. Hey, Anthony Richardson has a very well-done rap video in front of a gas station. I'll have you know. All right? So you watch yourself when it comes to GVO, Gainesville's very own. That's what he calls himself. Okay. <laughs> Was the song good? Uh, I plead the fifth. He's my quarterback, so I say it was absolutely fantastic. Stick the football? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you this. If you were to tell me what's better, Clint Dempsey as a rapper or Anthony Richardson as a rapper, I'd have to think hard about it. It should give you an, it should give you an idea of how it went. Can I add to this really quickly with Go Caleb ahead. Williams? If I'm going down the path of he actually might stay, I'm going to tie in another interesting quote he had about a week or two ago. Remember when he was complaining about NCAA football? And how the game and how he was like, oh, we're not getting paid enough. And everybody was like, why does that matter? You're not going to be here next year. Maybe that's why he's complaining about it. Maybe he knows something. Maybe he knows he's going to stick around. Number two. Oh, I forgot. No, I was going to say, who could be the worst? Who could who could be a worse situation for him if he were to stay? It's the worst team in the league, buddy. Well, it is the worst team in the league. But I forgot because you had a hardcore college football observation. Are you in on Tulane quarterback Michael Pratt? What was this? Why no. did you send this over? I did not expect to demand to send over something which is, this is why I get fired up for week two of college football because I really like Michael Pratt on these switch double verts and he was really accurate against cover three. No, I love a good headline and it's the week one overreaction. Tulane's Michael Pratt is the best college football QB you haven't heard discussed. It's only week one. But now I'm going to be paying attention to Michael Pratt. That's I'm, I love that feeling of after week one, everybody who won might be the best player in the country. I mean, I don't know if it's because you won. Did you actually watch the film breakdown of Pratt? No, I just saw the headline from Jamie. <laughs> he's, he's actually really good. Maybe. He could be. Well, and tie- I got to do some more studying now. Tying in Caleb Williams. If I'll ask you this. Who is the... Actually, no. Well, actually, I will put it this way because it's one game. Right now, are we totally sure that Drake May is the second best quarterback 
penciled in to come out for the draft next year? I'm going to shock you. I'm not sold on Drake May. Are you not sold on him because you've watched extensive film and don't buy it, or because you've never watched him before? Never watched him before. There you okay, go. Okay, all right. I'm an honest, uh, I I'm mean, an honest straight shooter. Good. You should be. Uh, I, I always say the three best words that have carried me very far in my career, I don't know. Um, and I say it a lot. In all seriousness, Steve brought this up the other day. I think he's wrong because he wants to bet against Caleb Williams being the first overall pick. If he comes out, he'll be the first overall pick. But there is a lot of room with those like second and third quarterbacks when it comes to the draft where guys can flip around in terms of the pecking order and guys can come up out of nowhere and be considered prospects. I mean, Anthony Richardson was a, an odd example, but talking about him, he was an athletic freak. He had one really awesome game against Utah, and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, we can make him into something, and he was the third best quarterback, and he ended up being a top-five selection. It's not out of the realm of possibility if, going back to what we talked about with Caleb Williams, he decides not to come out, that your guy from Tulane maybe pushes Drake May to be the first overall pick. Go bet Michael Pratt to be the first selection in the NFL draft next year. Real quick, from the plays that are highlighted in this article, looks pretty darn good. See, right? Not bad. I'm telling you, watch them. Tulane, you know who they play this weekend? No, tell me. Ole Miss. It's a big one. Ooh. It's a big one. Might get you in there, huh? Come on down. I'll be I'll be out. I'll be watching games all day on Saturday. I got to do it for work. Let's go. Where are you going to be at? TI Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. All right. Number two. We're going to do number two again. Yeah. All right. Francis Ngannou um, got paid the ultimate compliment. Mike Tyson said he could box. Are you really taking this seriously? I am taking it so seriously. Him and Tyson Fury, they had a little stare down today. I love – a year ago, I've totally, I've totally pulled the 180. Give me all the sideshow boxing. Jake Paul, Logan Paul, Dylan Dennis, KSI, and Tommy Fury. I don't know. Actually, really quick, I had a prime energy drink truck cut me off in traffic today. And I just had Jake Paul's face staring at me. Logan Paul. I Logan have a Paul. Right here. Or whatever. The drink is fine. Your truck drivers suck. Okay? Go get it. Go get better ones. Continue. No, but Francis Ngannou, and the thing is, oh, Tyson Fury, he's too skilled. He's the heavyweight champion of the world. He doesn't have a shot in the world. Okay. He's got power. As long as he's got those two fists, he's got a puncher's chance. And I'm here for it. <laughs> as long as he's got those two fists. I liken, so I think uh, what what Tyson said, because uh, I, I was watching the video of him. Um, by the way, I, I have said this before, and I will say this again, because I got this reaction, which was I, I, ex- I expressed that I would like to, at one point in my life, actually take a leg kick from an MMA, an MMA fighter, not because I think I could handle it, but because I want to feel that pain and experience. Oh, dear God, this is what these guys take, like, 20 of in the course of a, of a fight I would love to experience putting on that big padded vest and just taking like one shot from Francis Ngannou I think I would die but I would love to have the experience because I watched that video that I was that you sent over dear god even with a padded vest on I don't think I would take it but I liken Tyson's compliments to this you ever gone over to somebody's house and they cook you dinner and you're like oh it was good and it wasn't good. That's what Mike Tyson's probably doing. Like, ah, oh, we worked out together. He's a great boxer. And then he goes back home and he's like, oh, that was a problem. No. <laughs> he, meant, he meant it 100%. Number one. All right, I'll give you the chance. I left this. Uh, I left. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing because to, get, to bring people behind the scenes, 
you know, Steve helped put the uh, the rundown together because we thought he was going to be here. <laughs> and ultimately, we kept getting ETA updates from Steve as he was sitting on the tarmac for UNLV's chartered flight and how he kept getting delayed. He in the rundown was very mean to Jonathan Gannon, who is already getting absolutely destroyed for his weird speech about fire in the belly. Do you really think like it's kind of like like we're talking about with Todd Bowles and how Steve Wilkes got screwed over as well? Gannon is being set up to fail. So why is Steve rooting so hard against him? What do you mean being set up to fail? He's going to get the number one pick next year. But is he going to be there? JVT, let me. Let, I'm going to let you in on a secret, okay? They're not going to do a white man like that. That's a good point. All right, all right, take it back. He'll probably get a contract extension after this year. What am I talking about? Like, you know what, man? You did the best with what you could. We saw the intricacies and the nuance of the genius that is Jonathan Gannon. You'll be perfectly fine. Yeah. That's a really good point. They would have brought in some, you know, career, long-time, 60-year-old, you know, position coach if they wanted to, you know, pull the hit job. Gannon's got a future there. You mean exactly what the Houston Texans did? Yeah. <laughs> or, or or what they did to Steve Wilkes? Or, or or how my guy, Jim Caldwell, who was awesome with the Lions the last time they were actually somewhat good, still for some reason can't get a job? Is there a, common, is there a commonality between those guys that I can't really think of, Damon? Maybe. making the decisions based on the depth that you're going to need at certain spots. Um, that's always a little bit of a tricky issue going into the opener. Live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island, it's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Football season is here, and of course, that means the Raiders season is here, and they open up the year against the Denver Broncos. So let's get a little bit of information on what's going down with the Las Vegas Raiders. Kevin Bollinger is with us. He's going to be out there in Denver this weekend to cover what the Raiders have in store. Kevin, appreciate it, man. So let's just start with this. Um, we got the injury report today, and not any surprises on it, including Chandler Jones. Uh, do you expect any update here? What's your What's been your thoughts on what has happened with Chandler Jones in the last few days? Well, you know, what they did is right after they put out the injury report, they, they put uh, Brandon Face in the corner on injured reserve, and that created the roster spot that was needed for Josh Jacobs because they were a sitting of 54 players because they had the exemption with Jacobs, but it had to be taken care of on Saturday. So by doing that, they really don't have to make a move on Jones right now uh, because they went ahead and ruled him out. He'll be inactive for the game on Sunday. But in terms of doing anything else, in terms of uh, the roster spot with him, they can kind of kick the can down the road a little bit and, and try and see how this thing continues to develop. Uh, but it's been a very bizarre week. Yep. So you got to put that all aside, and you got to play football. Um, so let's ask you this. As you get ready for this game, what is something that you can't wait to watch, be it offensively or defensively, in this game against Denver? Well, I think it's the big unknown factor, right? And that's Sean Payton coming to the Broncos. And what is he going to throw at the Raiders? It's really hard to prepare for any team in a week one situation. But when you're going up against a new coaching staff, uh, it'll be interesting to see 
how much Peyton draws from what he did in New Orleans with the personnel that he has in Denver and how many uh, things get switched up a little bit. So I think that that's going to be uh, one of the things that the, the Raiders are going to have to deal with. And, and are they going to double or triple team Max Crosby on every play without Chandler Jones on the other side? That'll be something else to watch for. Have you guys talked to Josh and the Raiders about the, the challenges of playing up in Denver early? One of the things that's always stuck out is if Denver gets a heavy home schedule early on, they usually get off to good starts because at the beginning of the year when you're not as conditioned, and especially with these training camps now where guys aren't playing a ton of preseason, teams generally go up there and have a hard time. Yeah, there's no question. And, uh, you know, the Raiders have had a lot of success against the Broncos uh, over the last four or five years. And so I think that that's a, a huge thing for them. But in terms of conditioning, they're pretty comfortable with where they're at right now. And if you look at the weather forecast uh, and take the elevation part out of it, it's supposed to be in the low 70s to kick off maybe a thunderstorm or two that rolls in. Uh, but I think that the, the, the Raiders feel comfortable with their conditioning aspect that they don't think that the elevation is going to be a big key on Sunday. Uh, and, and I think that you know the Raiders and Broncos both look at this game as as week one is probably is about as important to them as it is anybody else because it really could uh, trigger the season one way or another if you look at their schedule, early season schedule especially. With John Jacobs coming back for this first game of the season, missing the entire preseason, if you took his numbers only from playing the Broncos, he'd be a bona fide Hall of Famer. But how much <laughs> usage do you think do you expect him to have against the Broncos here? Well, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna give him his touches. Uh, you know, the big the big thing is is Josh Jacobs says he came in in great football shape and is in the best shape of his life. But there's a big difference between being in football shape and being in great shape. And, and he hasn't had a lot of contact in his week and a half practicing with the Raiders. So uh, that's going to be the, the the big thing is uh, you know seeing how he reacts uh, to the hits, making sure there's those soft tissue type injuries, which is what you see sometimes. Uh, with guys maybe that uh, that aren't totally football ready to get back on the field. But Josh McDaniel said this morning when he met with the media that they have a plan with Jacobs going into this game and then they'll adjust that plan based on what they see throughout the game. So that tells me that they're going in with Jacobs as their guy and then they'll kind of get a good feel maybe uh, for, for how his body is reacting as the game goes on. I want to switch it to the defensive side of the ball, but to talk about another player in their usage, Tyree Wilson, with Chandler Jones being out for this game, presumably he's the next man up, you know, top 10 pick, but are the Raiders comfortable to have him playing a lot of those snaps so soon after that injury? Well, I think you'll see Malcolm Koontz a lot as well, uh, you know, in terms of getting the, the snaps maybe that Jones would have had. Uh, I think Malcolm Koontz might be the one who gets the start over Tyree Wilson. And they're still going to make sure that they, they bring him along the right way. They're looking long-term with him. Remember that they, he did not jump in with training camp until late in the process as well. And so he hasn't had a whole lot of time on the field with contact. He did get a, a couple of series in Dallas at the final preseason game. But uh, he hasn't had a ton as well. So I would imagine you're going to see a little bit more Malcolm Jones than Tyree Wilson. But you will see maybe a few more plays than you would have originally with Tyree Wilson since Chandler Jones isn't playing. Kevin Bollinger with us, Fox 5. All right, Kevin, so one of the interesting facets of watching this defense as a whole was, right, forcing turnovers and, and getting them, um, getting getting extra possessions out of this defense. This is a wide receiver room that is kind of banged up, right? We know Jerry Judy's questionable, and they've experienced quite a few losses in the offseason. How do you expect this secondary and the opportunistic secondary we saw matching up with this wide receiver core of the Broncos? 
I'll tell you what, it's, a, it's amazing to see how much one man uh, makes a difference in terms of that room. But when Marcus Peters came onto the Raiders, he really went into that ball hockey mentality and was very, uh, you know, kind of getting the, the impressionable young guys to, to buy into that. I think you're going to see that a lot with the Raiders' DBs this year. They're going to have the ball hockey mentality, which can go one of two ways. Obviously, you're going to probably get a few more turnovers than you have but it also opens yourself up to maybe taking a few more chances that could get you burned as well. So uh, that, that's another factor, I think, to, to look at. The Raiders on the back end, we all know their, their linebackers and their DBs uh, still have a lot of question marks. And that's something that we're going to have to see play out during the season. Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. He struggled last year, and there's a lot of people that think his career's at a crossroads. If he doesn't have... His weapons, like he's expecting a wide receiver, is he going to run the football a little bit more? Uh, you know, those are all things that, that, that I'd love to watch. But I, I really want to see the Raiders' DP and that ball hockey mentality and see if they're going to go for it uh, on a weekly basis because I think that, that it could, could turn out to be uh, something really fun to watch. I feel like it's, uh, it's a sin that we've waited this long to bring it up. What do you expect from Jimmy Garoppolo? <laughs> uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, the, the main thing with Jimmy Garoppolo is that, A, he stays clean, and, and a lot of that goes to the offensive line. We all know that the injury problems. The offensive line did a pretty good job last year at keeping Derek Carr clean, uh, and, and he manages the offense well. So uh, I think we're going to see the normal Jimmy Garoppolo that we saw that had a lot of success in San Francisco in terms of just moving the offense, managing the offense outside of him. There's not a, a ton of changes with this Raiders offense. The line, fairly uh, much the same. He has a couple of new weapons in there with Jacoby Myers, uh, Tadim, and Michael Mayer. Uh, but, but I really want to see him kind of how he moves the ball. And you, you always see uh, quarterbacks that, that maybe latch on to a receiver that might be one of their, their targets. Well, we all know Devontae Adams is going to be everybody's favorite target. But is he uh, going to favor a little bit more Jacoby Myers? Is he going to favor a little more Hunter Renfro? Or is he going to utilize the tight end as his guy? Uh, those are all things that are going to be fun to keep an eye on. But I expect Jimmy Garoppolo to, to do what they brought him in to do, and that's the manager offense, and kind of methodically move them down the field. You mentioned one of the guys that I wanted to ask about here, Hunter Renfro. What should Raider Nation expect from him? Because last season, maligned with injury. The season before that, a pro bowler where he almost broke Tim Brown's record. So what can people expect from Hunter Renfro? Because I really just don't know coming into this season. I expect a big year from Hunter Renfro. Uh, he's a very smart football player, and he talked in the locker room the other day about last year he was just too stubborn uh, with himself in terms of knowing uh, wh what he could do at what time or maybe when he had to kind of pull back. And I think he learned a lot from last year in terms of the injuries that he had uh, and, and just some of the struggles that he had when he was playing as well. And, and he's somebody who's going to utilize all of that stuff. He, he's a very, uh, you know, he, he thinks about everything. He, he talked about how the season was over. He was going to get in the car and drive back home across the country and just kind of thought process everything that went through. So you know that he's been running every single rep of last season when he was on the field uh, through his mind over the offseason. And I expect him to come back uh, better than ever this year. Kevin Bollinger. All right, last minute here with you, Kevin. So what are, what should the expectations be for the Raiders as a whole this season? What do you expect? Oh, that's a tough one. You know, I think that they're probably, you know, uh, 
going to be hovering around the 500 mark, and I know that's a little bit above where Vegas has their win total line is. Uh, and I hate to put so much pressure on, on a week one game, but I really think this is huge. If the Raiders get a win in week one in Denver, I could see them conceivably starting the season three and one. If they lose this game in Denver, I could conceivably see it going the other way, and then you don't know what's going to happen. So uh, that's what, when I talk about uh, maybe a little bit more emphasis on week one than we would normally see. Uh, if you look at the way the Raiders' schedule is set up, I really think that this is a big week one game for this team. Uh, but I think that they probably end up uh, in that uh, eight-win range probably. Kevin, we appreciate some time today. But really quick before we get you out of here, I saw Mark McMillan tweet this out. You guys got some pregame stuff going on at Fox 5? Pre-game, we, uh, we were just everything that you normally would get on social and, and you know, just our normal coverage throughout the week. Uh, Saturday, we've got so much college football going on with Fox. Uh, it's impacting our newscast a little bit with what people are going to see on the air. But uh, post-game stuff on, on Sunday, for sure. We're on the air right after the game on Sunday afternoon, and then we'll uh, break everything down uh, thoroughly as well on the late shows. And, and uh, it should be a fun fun weekend of football with UNLV at the big house in Michigan and the Raiders opening up in Denver. Kevin Bollinger again, Fox 5. Kevin, appreciate some time, man. Safe travels. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. You got it. Yeah, I can't wait. We'll talk a little bit more about the expectations for the Las Vegas Raiders as well. And uh, a bet that I have made that, hey, it's kind of a long shot. But the results, if I win it, might not make a lot of people in the market happy. We'll just put it that way. We got some sports betting to talk to, baby. Don't let me forget it. And we're going to put DeMond on the line. We're picking divisions, too. It's Cole for the company live from TI, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. Keep the glass fish and chips special out here. If you want to come down, say what's up. I've got a couple of, uh, I'm going to show this to Damon. It's really nice beer glasses that were dropped off at the table. Along with, if you're in the neighborhood, you ready for this? A Raiders beanie, just in time. You're not a beanie guy, though, right? At the gym, I am. At the gym, that makes sense, like at the gym. But not like fashion. No. You wouldn't rock this. I don't like the cotton top on it. But it is nice if you're a Raider fan. Make sure you come down and check it out. We also got tickets to the Vandy game coming up as well uh, for UNLV. Speaking of, it is official. We have touchdown in Detroit. Caleb Herring has tweeted that the team has made it. That means one, Steve Cofield. And by the way, can I? Can I'm gonna I'm gonna do some behind the scenes stuff really quickly. Got an email the other day. You know, for the folks that work for the uh, broadcast for UNLV on the flight. New rule. Slacks in a sport coat. So Steve, Caleb, dressed to the nines right now. I could tell you that for a fact. Would you adhere to the new dress code policy? I mean, I would have to, or else I'd get fired. Probably, right? <laughs> I mean, if it's a rule and I don't follow it, probably would. Um, and also, because of my job, my other like main job, I've got at least a an array of sport coats and not slacks. So that's kind of an upset. Like, usually I wear, like, dark jeans, and that still kind of looks nice. But apparently that's not part of the uh, the repertoire that is allowed. I'll, I'll, I'll let you bet this. Yes or no, we hear from Steve Cofield today. Yes. 
You think so? I mean, he is psychopathic enough that he will try as hard as he possibly can, even though I have sent him a text message saying, hey, man, it's an hour and a half delay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> He'll try. I also like how they were able to make up that time in the air. What do you mean? Weren't they- Actually, it's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, they left the like, yeah. Wow, look at that. That's a really good point. The flight time was supposed to be like four hours. Wow, the tailwinds must have been great. They can do whatever they want in the air. They just ma- they just make us wait. Well, either that or maybe we got a delayed text message from Cofield and they had taken off like well before the message that he had sent, even though we were getting updates like every 10 minutes, like ETA, this time, ETA, this time. Oh, the no, pro- the, the latest was 510 our time. 510? Oh, that was the hotel arrival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say it hasn't been 510 yet. <laughs> no, I said ETA. <laughs> Oh, yes, yes, the ETA, yes. That's got I got to say, so since I'm not well-traveled, I don't really understand, like, certain instances. So, for example, like, like when I go visit my wife's hometown, you have to fly into Fresno and then drive 40 minutes north to get to her hometown. It's a little tin farm, farm town, Merced, California. Uh, Ann Arbor, where Michigan plays, you have to fly to Detroit and then drive into Ann Arbor. And apparently that's about, I mean, at, at me, JVT, at Damon underscore the boss. Yep, yep. Okay. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not 40 minutes, but I think I remember hearing it's about a 40-minute drive into the state to get to Ann Arbor from Detroit. So I'm not a big fan of that. I don't really like traveling overall, but if I have to fly to a destination and then get in a car to then make it to my destination more than, like, you know, the usual 20-minute whatever, I'm out. Well, let me tell you a story. That's what I had to do last weekend when I flew into Memphis and then had to drive an hour and a half to get to Henning. I had to rent a car. Henning? Is that is that where you're from? Yes. Henning? I was about to say Henning, Memphis, but Memphis is not a state. Yeah. <laughs> Back home. Can I tell you really quickly, a travel thing that I didn't realize was a thing? I saw this. Somebody tweeted this out. You know there's things called sleep trains? So yeah, like so you can get on a tr- you can get like a train ticket and like this person that I was looking at was a media, media member going somewhere. They were on a sleep train. It was a 24-hour train trip, but it was like a sleep cabin and everything like that up to Seattle. It looked awesome. It looked great. I got to try one. I've always wanted to go on a train. I've never been on one before. All right, well we'll effort Steve Cofield. We'll see if maybe he has some time to get with us. When we come back though, we continue on Jan- uh, John Jansen is going to join us next. Hang in at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. TI Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. That is the spot. Make sure you come down. Awesome, awesome spot if you're looking for somewhere to go for the football weekend. Sunday, of course, in the NFL. Saturday for all the college football games, including Michigan, UNLV. We'll get back to that momentarily. And remember, too, for Vegas locals, you know, a lot of parking you got to pay for. Not here at TI. Not here. 69187, code word ESPN, if you want to get in touch with the show as well. Also social, at me, JVT, at Damon underscore the boss on X. What do you got? Really digging this show today, fellas. Great job, JVT with El Vato. That's right. Appreciate it, sir and or madam. That's what we do here. Von Toby Los Vatos is a different vibe, you know? I was about to say. I was about to say. <laughs> 
So that's a lot less Caucasian, but I don't think that's really the truth because I'm still steering the ship. But I like to put flair on words, so well, yeah, that makes well, your me. Spanish flair. That's right. Hey, as any good Caucasian person would tell you, I'm actually half Mexican, Demon. My grandmother was from Durango, Mexico. 23 and me told me no, I haven't. I'm not going to pay for that. Absolutely ridiculous. What, are you serious? Uh, I, in, in all seriousness, that is, uh, that is where my uh, ancestors are from. Yes, my grandmother is from Durango, Mexico. My, my mother is a full-blooded Mexican woman, as is my wife. So. Well, as any black person would tell you, I'm actually part Native American. Well, that's so... <laughs> that's ridiculous. I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, but I will say, as anybody would tell... I, I don't know if anybody would tell you. Um, apparently, the 23andMe thing is, like, if you get it as, like, my wife's family does, it tells you that there's a heavy split between Native American and Spanish. Like, you know, genetics? I don't know. Maybe I'm going down a path I shouldn't. Who knows? I don't know how to segue from that. John Jansen. He doesn't look like... You know, <laughs> all right, let's talk... Let's talk... <laughs> Let's talk Michigan football. Uh, John Jansen, former offensive lineman, got to Steve Cofield. Uh, talked to Steve Cofield earlier today. Opened up the conversation about the Michigan win, the whole hum win over East Carolina. It was one of those things where East Carolina did all they could. They basically came into the big house and said, "You're not going. We're not going to allow Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards in this rush game to to beat us." And they, they said, "If you're going to do it, we're going to test JJ McCarthy. We want to see if you've got anything in the pass game." And they went out. Uh, J.J. McCarthy was 26 of 30, was very effective in the past game. And here's what I like about the growth of, of J.J. What I saw in the first game was his connection with the receivers, his ability to signal them at the line of scrimmage, something that he wanted. Maybe it was a nuance to the play, but also just his his being able to deliver the ball on time, accurately, where it was supposed to be, where a receiver could actually do something. That's where I think the big growth for J.J. was from last year to this year, and that's what I saw from him in the first game. Defensively, it was it was a run wall. Uh, East Carolina was able to find nothing on the ground, and then you know they tried to it was a it was a quick passing game, so we didn't have any sacks, we didn't get home, but there was uh, Michigan tried a couple of different tricks. Didn't really bring any blitzes, but it was games up front. Kenneth Grant was able to come around on a, an NT stunt that affected the passer, which led to that first interception, the only interception of the game with Mikey Sandra still. So on defense, I, I think I read it correctly. There were five new starters out there. They lost a ton to the NFL. So uh, you just mentioned how good they were. What effect did the five new starters have and how did they perform? Well, they also had some injuries. Some guys like Will Johnson, um, who's going to be a sophomore this year, didn't play in that first game. Keyshawn Harris stepped in 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 his role. And we were really trying to figure out who is going to be that corner that starts opposite of Will Harris or of Will Johnson. Keyshawn Harris showed up former walk-on at Michigan, is in his fifth year, played extremely well, played very disciplined. Um, and so he's in the running for that spot. Another guy that had his first start, Josh Wallace, who's a uh, transfer from UMass. And he's got a lot of experience at UMass, a three-time captain there. He started as well and played very good uh, very good football. Had an interception that was overturned. Uh, it was a, a, a tremendous athletic interception, but you know, stepped out of bounds just before he got it. So there were some guys like Keon Saab, um, Zeke Berry that played uh, and got some really good run in, re- in, in terms of the secondary. And that's really where we saw some of those new bodies uh, defensively. But a lot of guys stepped up and and put a, put their resume together to say, hey, maybe we, we should earn a little bit more time as this season goes on. John Jansen, nice enough to join us. He's the color voice for Michigan football on radio. He's a former Wolverine. He's doing the morning show on the ticket in Detroit. Let's go back to McCarthy for just one second. 
Did you see this growth coming? How did he grow this much? Because, you know, remember uh, a year ago, for some reason, uh, Cade McNamara got game one start, and then McCarthy just took off from there. Well, experience is going to be your best teacher. And he, he stepped in last year in that second game, took ownership of that quarterback position, and there were some bumps along the way. And last year didn't get a, a ton of opportunity to throw the ball deep until the end of the season against Ohio State and then against TCU and a couple of critical turnovers against TCU in the college football playoffs. But the growth is and he took a look at what he did well what he didn't do well last year, and fixed some of those issues. And some of it's just being comfortable in year two as a starter, uh, you know, operating everything. You know, they don't do it under center anymore, but sometimes under center. But at least, hey, when you get out there, they've given him more to be able to do at the line of scrimmage, whether it's making adjustments with where guys are lined up, making sure the right personnel is on the field, but also, hey, you got a, a few plays. And if you see a couple of looks, you have the right to check to something that you might be able to put us in a better opportunity for any given look that you're seeing. That's where I've seen some of the growth. And then, as I mentioned earlier, it's just being able to be accurate, putting the ball, whether it's to a tight end that's in the flat we saw with Max Bredesen, being able to put the ball where he can catch it and actually turn up field and do something with it. Quentin Johnston, the same thing. Roman Wilson with three touchdowns, same thing. And the difference from this year to last year is last year, some of those balls would be completed, but it was a diving catch because the ball was just a little bit off the mark or it was, hey, you got to slow up, you catch it, and then you're tackled right away. Being able to catch and run is going to be a big part of this offense and J.J.'s development of of location, understanding what's going on after the ball is snapped is is really where I saw the biggest development. You mentioned Wilson having the big game. Uh, that one interests me. Just the, the Michigan footprint for recruiting is everywhere. Um, and they did steal Wilson out of our region, the Pacific time zone. Um, I, I, I kind of wonder how that came together, getting a player from Hawaii because uh, – well, frankly, now that should be a focal point because you're going to be stealing guys from Hawaii away from the teams you're going to be playing with USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon uh, coming to the Big Ten next year. Yeah, it's wild to think the footprint of the Big Ten is now East Coast to West Coast. And Michigan is that national brand that if, when a kid grows up, if he grows up a Michigan fan and he's a good football player, you do have the means to go introduce yourself to them, recruit them, try and convince them, hey, it's okay, you can you can travel 7,000 miles away from home, we'll, we'll make sure that we take good care of you. And, and when you have that reach, when you have that brand uh, you know, recognition, uh, it certainly helps in recruiting. And now that that footprint is going to be coast to coast, it, it, I think it's going to help t- be able to pluck some of those kids out of Texas, out of California. Uh, and uh, hey, sorry to steal, but uh, not sorry. <laughs> That's the way it goes, right? Who is the head coach or head coaches with Harbaugh in the middle of his suspension? Well, this week it's going to be his son, Jay Harbaugh, in the first half, and uh, former Michigan great running backs coach, running game coordinator, uh, Mike Hart. Uh, both of those guys are going to share the duties this week. Jesse Minter did it last week against DCU. And, you know, he, Jim Harbaugh and the coaches now call it the guardian of victory on Saturday. Who's going to be the coach out there that, that does things the right way to make sure it gives Michigan a chance to win the game? And Jay is, is a guy that's coached almost every position since he's been at Michigan. He's been a running backs coach. He's been a, a, a tight ends coach. He's on the defensive side of things. He's in the secondary right now. He's a special teams coordinator. He's really kind of followed the, the path that his uncle John Harbaugh did to the NFL, and he's going to get his first opportunity. We know Mike Hart uh, here in Ann Arbor very well, uh, you know, the all-time leading rusher here at, at Michigan. But when he was at Indiana and a run game coordinator down there, uh, just an unbelievable recruiter 
and a guy that understands the ins and outs of the run game. And he understands, and you can see this from the guys that he coaches, the value of possessing the football. He's got great leadership skills. So I think Michigan's in good hands this weekend. How does it work with Coach Harbaugh during the week? Uh, he's there from Sunday to Friday night. Uh, and then he's just not allowed to be in the in the stadium or, or around the team on Saturday. So he's a part of that collaborative effort to put together the game plan offensively and defensively. Um, he's out there running practices. He's just not able to be in the stadium coaching the team on Saturday. What do you think it was like watching this last game and where did he watch it? Well, Sharon Moore was also uh, uh, suspended for one game. So he actually went over to Coach Moore's house. They watched it in his basement. Uh, Coach Moore's wife apparently uh, put together a, a hell of a spread, um, some cold cut sandwiches. And uh, and they uh, they were sitting there talking about different, uh, different play calls that they would make. And uh, Kirk Campbell, the new quarterbacks coach, uh, stepped in as offensive coordinator and uh, I did ask him the question, hey, how did what you guys were talking about in the basement of Sharon Moore's house and what would you call next? How did that match up with what Kirk Campbell was? And he said, for the most part, it was it was pretty spot on. They uh, they followed the game plan that they put together. And, uh, you know, any any decisions to ad lib um, was pretty much uh, things that they thought they would do themselves. Is this Michigan team uh, better than last year's Michigan team, John? It is. It's it's deeper. It's more talent. I already talked about the experience and the benefits of having an experienced quarterback. But when you have the depth of talent that this team has, you've got a healthy Blake Corum. You've got Donovan Edwards in the backfield. You've got, you know, basically eight guys, nine guys on the offensive line that could be starting any anywhere in the country. Colson Loveland at tight end, who's now a sophomore, he's a freshman last year. You've got depth at that position. You've got more depth. The, the, the young wide receivers, which we didn't see a lot last year or last week, they're really going to be able to step up and play in the coming weeks. And offensively, yeah, they're better. Defensively, kind of the same thing. We didn't get a chance to see a lot from a guy like a Derek Moore or a, a Braden McGregor because they weren't able to get home on some of those pass rushes, but we saw that run wall. Chris Jenkins up front is another guy that's an absolute stud. There's just more depth of talent, more experience at every position on the football field, offensively and defensively. You got to you know admit right now that it is a much more talented, much more experienced team than, than Michigan had the last couple of years. Is this group better than your teams of the late 90s? Oh, let's not get carried away here. Uh -oh. Let's not get carried away. <laughs> um, you know what? It's... This is going to be, and I'll, I'll compare them to that 97 team. They have a chance to be a much better team. They have a chance to do something more difficult. It's more difficult now to win a national championship than it was then. We, don't, we didn't have uh, a Big Ten championship game. We didn't have to go play two college football playoff games to win a national championship. And so they are built with that in mind, that they're going to have to be a deep team. They're going to have to overcome some injuries and some guys missing some games, some coaches missing some games. But this team has the potential to be better on both sides of the ball than we were in 97. I'm not going to say that they are. They're going to have to go out and prove it, but they have that potential. Former Michigan offensive lineman with Steve Cofield out there in Michigan, uh, John Jansen. Yeah, it's a really talented Michigan club. And the, the aspirations should be championship for a team that is this talented. And with, we should note, a potential opening at the top of the Big Ten, even though they own the top spot. Only that Ohio State maybe looks a little, we'll call it weak. Questions at quarterback, 
Don't know if McCord's really going to be the guy. Their backup quarterback wears number 33, which is already an issue outside of play. It's just you can't play quarterback and have the number 33, which, did you know this? Apparently he was playing, paying tribute to Sammy Ball. No. You, I, it's, look. I knew that you couldn't be over the number 19, yes. Slinging Sammy Ball was a great old school quarterback. It's 2023. Why is a kid playing tribute, paying tribute to slinging Sammy Ball? That's almost pa- 100 years ago. Power rating down. 100% power rating down. You can't do it. You can't do it at all. But it's a tough test for UNLV, and I think it is just that. It's a test. You just see where you're at. Because I'll tell you this, at the top of the Mountain West, Fresno State went out, and they got a big win over Purdue. But San Diego State looks like doo-doo, and Boise State looked awful, and Taylor Green looked every bit of a guy who I thought was going to take a step back as a quarterback. Mountain West might be open for play, but UNLV's got to prove they can hang with the big boys, at least to a certain extent. Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar here at TI. That's where we're at. Come say hi. Last hour of Copeland Company coming up.